Hey there, this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm John Hanson. This is episode 92. Woo! I'm excited. And I'm saying woo because I got Mac Lederman here to break down a cool story. It's kind of close to my heart, Mac. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. And ever since I was a little kid going to games, my dad had to explain to me who the heck that guy was going woo. And Ronnie Woo, he's been a fixture of the ballpark for a long time. And you got to follow him around and profile him, huh? I sure did, John. We uh, got the chance to hang out with Ronnie Wu at a game. And um, I got to say, you were spot on with that Wu right there. Like, um, I don't know if I can quite do it or do it justice by even attempting it, but that was pretty good. Maybe you can, like, cut in the audio here <laughs> so we can hear Woo! from Ronnie himself. Yeah, for sure. Oh, good point. Call, 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 call. Yeah, that's Ronnie Woo. That's his voice. And he goes Woo Woo around the ballpark. He's been doing it for a long time, Mac. Give us a little bit of a story. First of all, his name is Ronnie Wickers, and he's, what, 81 mm-hmm. years old? Yeah, Ronnie is 81 years old now, and he um, you know, he still moves pretty well. He he wobbles around the bar- ballpark, and he says uh, after all these years of going to Cubs games, he's been to over 3,000 of them, actually. Um, his voice is still as strong and intact as it ever is. Um, I asked him what he does to kind of make sure it stays that way, and he just says all you got to do is love the Cubs and drink lots of lemon water. <laughs> Where does his story of being a diehard Cubs fan begin? Uh, yeah, so Ronnie, you know, um, anyone who's been a Cubs fan, been to a Cubs game, even just one, it's kind of hard to miss him with that very unique sound that's incessant around the ballpark um, through all nine innings, 27 outs. Um, but uh, Ronnie, you know, started, he was he was quiet at first. He was, uh, you know, a kid growing up on the south side of Chicago. Um, told me he played a mean second base for the Washington Park Fieldhouse. Um, and his first game at Wrigley Field was to watch Jackie Robinson break baseball's color line. He said um, his grandmother brought him that day. The Wrigley wind was blowing in. He heard the crack of the bat and the Cubs emblem on the chest. And he's been hooked ever since. And I mean, that was back in the 40s. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. But he's a Southsider? Yeah, native, born and born and raised Southsider. It's just something about the Cubs and that Wrigley magic that I think he uh, couldn't deny. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so how does he go from being a fan to going to games and going woo? Like, what's the story that started the woo? So um, if, you, if you've seen Ronnie, um, you've noticed he wears a full Cubs uniform from, uh, from top to bottom. Um, he wears it actually wherever he goes, one fan. Who, who loves him, told me that she ran into Ronnie at an Aldi in Uptown, and he was still wearing the uniform. So <laughs> this guy lives, breathes the Cubs 24-7, 24 hours a day. Um, he's probably the most famous Cubs fan alive. I think that's that would be fair to say, John. Um, but the, uh, the woo-wooing started around 1957 or 58, he said, when he was um, working as a um, janitor at Northwestern. He'd skip his lunch hour as early as he could just so he could get to Wrigley as fast as he could. I think back then the ballpark would open before the game as much as possible and Ronnie would stand outside. He'd maybe, you know, pinch some pennies for some tickets or try to beg his way uh, or, you know, win some generosity to get a seat in the bleachers for whoever the Cubs were playing that day and that's where he would uh hang out and feel at home so he'd be there all the time he started uh saying go cubs go and from there he said it just took off you know the woo he says means win the more he'd woo he'd cheer louder and louder you know people responded to it and um he said that eventually just grew to him you know any two steps that you walk in wrigley he wanted you to hear him 1957, 1958, back-to-back years, Ernie Banks was the MVP (laughs) playing for the Cubs. Yeah, let's play two. Pretty good time to start your fandom. 
Although, besides 69, which didn't end up well, and 84, where the Cubs made the playoffs for the first time <laughs> since 45, and they lost to the yeah. Padres after being up 2-0, then they go in 89, and they make the playoffs in 98, 07, 08, 03. Oh, 03, don't remind me. <laughs> I guess what I'm asking is, is that they won the World Series, of course, in 2016, yeah. Is he almost thankful that he's made it this long to see the Cubs enter a period where they actually have had some winning seasons and championship year? I mean, I think um, he says he's always just loved being a Cubs fan, like win or lose. You know, he's 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 loved the Cubs. And um, I think through the years, the memories, good and bad, have been great for him. He told me, you know, the team's really just changed around this man. Uh, he, back in the day, uh, he guys would leave him tickets like Bill Buckner, Jerry, Jerry Morales, Bobby Mercer, Rick Monday. They'd leave him tickets. Then they go drink with him at the dive for hours around the stadium. Um, if you have been to a Cubs game recently, John, I'm sure you've noticed uh, things kind of look and feel, um, I would say, a little bit more buttoned up right uh, these days. And, uh, you know, Ronnie, when the Cubs, as you mentioned, broke the 40-year-old uh, playoff drought, um, he was, you know, ushered through a crowd of roaring fans and stood on top of an NBC truck outside and did his famous woo-woo and told me how he would, like, sit in the bleachers and hang out with Harry Carey and drink a couple of beers. Um, he talked smack to opposing players and sometimes they'd chase them around the cubby bear so you know i know the cubs haven't been all that great but all, all the time but uh, i think ronnie has just really enjoyed the experience of being around wrigley no matter how well the team has been Cubs singer Ronnie Woo Woo? Uh, that's a complicated question, John. Um, you know, you kind of fans, I think, who appear similar to Ronnie Woo at other um, teams that are kind of, you know, embraced more. They're back baked into their PR strategy. Um, what comes to mind for me, just as an East Coast guy, is Mr. Whammy at the Nets games who stands in the front, an old guy, and tries to put a curse on the <laughs> three throw shooters. Um, you know, he's got his own jerseys on the Jumbotron all the time. Um, I think kind of with Ronnie, though, the relationship with the Cubs has been, you know, lukewarm at best and bubbly at worst. Uh, in 2017, Ronnie was actually kicked out of the bleachers um, right after the championship run. Um, because the teams alleged that he didn't have a ticket, which is something he denies. Um, so uh, for some reason, you know, there hasn't been a, a, a full on embrace of him. Um, uh, he did, though, the previous ownership allowed Ronnie to, you know, sing, take me out to the ball, the ball game. During the seventh inning stretch, uh, after a bunch of fans really, really pushed for it, um, so that was kind of his one shining moment. But um, the team, you know, I think the team and what I saw from the security around Ronnie Wu as he kind of made his lap around the stadium is that they tolerate him while the fans adore him, and it just is going to kind of live in that gray area. Ronnie has not had an easy life for part of it. I don't know much of his personal history, and maybe that's not for me to know, but. I know he's struggled at times and fans and others have helped him out. Did he open up a little bit about, you know, what his life has, has been like outside of Wrigley Field? Uh, yeah, and I think um, Ronnie's very fortunate now to have you know, a family and friends who you know really take care of him in his older age. I mean, it's a stable place to live these days. He has the medical care he needs. Um, but I think that kind of what sums up his journey is a story that his friend Janet Tabbitt told me. She takes him to games, helps him find tickets, helps him into her seats. Uh, Janet said he first met Ronnie at a Cubs convention in 1990, and uh, Janet wanted to talk to Mark Grace. So uh, she walked up to Ronnie and was like, hey, how do I talk to Mark Grace? So what Ronnie did, being Ronnie, 
it was he just shouted across the room for him and there he came <laughs> and uh they've been friends ever since and uh Tavid said she had been friends with ronnie from then on through that entire season and didn't know that he was homeless until 10 months later so uh, you know imagine having a relationship with someone and not knowing a big detail as that so like how is that even possible yeah and she said you know ronnie is just a person who lives completely in the present you know he doesn't dwell on anything he is joyful uh, he doesn't really think about those types of things or think twice about them all he truly cares about with 100 percent of his whole heart from the cups hat on his on his head to the full uniform pinstripes you know down his legs is being a fan and that's about it i think every team you mentioned the nets and you know i work for the blackhawks and we don't have a Ronnie woo woo, but we have certain fans that we like put on the jumbotron because they do that thing. There's, you know, when they come to the yeah. games, right? And the fans love it. And I don't know, even if the team is kind of in this gray area about it, the fans know Ronnie woo woo. He's probably someone that fathers and grandfathers have told sons and daughters about. I know that's how I found about who the mm-hmm. heck this guy was when I was a kid. That he's he's kind of like a staple of what it is like to be at Wrigley Field. I don't know and maybe not as iconic as the Ivy, but maybe as ever present, right? Like, I mean, one fan told me just simply that, you know, Ronnie is a part of the Wrigley magic. And, you know, uh, this is the first time I've been in Chicago where the Cubs have actually been good or like red hot. And I was at this game recently and they romped the Reds for like 16 runs. And I don't even know how to describe Wrigley magic. To me, it feels like a real thing. And Ronnie is, you know, the spirit and the sound of, of that. He is almost, his voice is almost baked into the ballpark. He knows the grandkids of fans. He knows, um, he knows, he knows everybody who's ever been to a, a, a game at, at Wrigley. Go Cubs, go Cubs, go Cubs, go Cubs, go Cubs. Go and, you know, maybe he was a little bit annoying back in the 70s. Some fans said that, you know, he was definitely loud and annoying back then, but He's gotten to an age now where he's, you know, quieted down just a little bit where he's more tolerated by everybody. So he kind of almost went from this, you know, loud nuisance to almost this, you know, icon of the team. And I think the kind of the love for him amongst the fans at this point is pretty universal. Yeah. And I just want to like point out that before the late 90s and Sammy Sosa, Wrigley Field was empty, like empty except for 84 and 89 i mean we're talking mostly day baseball uh didn't even have the lights till 88 the middle of the day games where people are at work and you've literally through the 60s and the 70s and the i mean you're talking a thousand fans i mean i'm not joking when i say ten thousand would have been a good game for you know a lot of games (laughs) but ronnie Wu was there so like what i love about it is even in this you know jumbotron wrigley even in this, yeah. you know, like you said, maybe more buttoned up, maybe more experience that you would get at other ballparks, um, that this quirky guy who's now 81 years old still walks around the park and says, "Woo!" it just, I don't know, that's kind of magical. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie is kind of the last remnant of what the Cubs used to be, right? I mean, I don't think he's being dropped tickets at the door last minute by players. I don't think he's going out to the dive bars around the stadium anymore like that with the players. Um, 
the the Cubs have really just much changed around him. And but there was something, you know, I think kind of just like quirky and unique and very charming about the the, the down and out Cubs. And Ronnie Wu is kind of the last piece of that. And I think if we're going to you know move into this new era of Cubs baseball, it's important to have him as a little bit of memory of what the team used to be. Amen. Well said, Mac Lederman. It's a great story. I've never really read as much as I know Ronnie Wu. I haven't read a full write-up of him. And you did it. Nice work and nice job to Colin as well for great photos and videos. Mac, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sean. Block Club Chicago's on TV on the block. It's on WCIU Thursday nights at 7, CW26 Chicago, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., Sunday afternoons, early evenings at 6.30 p.m. on CW26. There's some other times out there as well, so just go to CW26Chicago.com. There's a channel guide, and you can find out exactly where to watch uh, on the block, which features our great reporters hosted by Brandon Pope. I do an It's All Good segment on the show, too, so I suggest you check it out. Hey, we are also on the radio on the Bob Surratt Morning Show on WGN 720 on your AM dial, WGNRadio.com, where you can listen live anywhere across the world. We're on Wednesday, Thursdays, and Friday mornings. Bob was out. Wendy Snyder was filling in and chatting with Seamus Toomey. Seamus is editor-in-chief and co-founder at Black Club Chicago, and uh, some sad news in Chinatown. Sad closing restaurant news indeed, Wendy. Um, this is a place called uh, Seven Treasures uh, on Wentworth, 2312 South Wentworth. They're closing Monday. It's been almost 40 years. Jeez. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those, you know, there's a lot of different options, um, of different styles. This one is Cantonese, and it's a more of a diner, an old school diner. You come and you order at the counter and, and sit down around tables. But one of the things that people really loved about it was it was open till at least two in the morning so if you were out late and uh, nothing else was open you could always sort of count on seven treasures and get the wonton noodle soup Mm. Um, so it's uh, interesting there's just been crowds lining up to get into this place now for the last couple days when word got out that they were closing so if you're planning on going down and checking it out for the first time or having uh, one last run at it uh, just know that you you may have to wait in line a little bit but uh, you know it'll be one of those experiences where yeah i'm sure the people in line will be telling their stories about why they loved it and why their parents took them there and etc so uh reunion time at seven treasures uh 2312 south wentworth if you've never been there before uh, folks out there but yeah plan on a little time and the owner benjamin ow uh he's he's retiring he's been doing this for 40 years uh he didn't have a next generation that was really interested in in running a, a late night uh, uh, chinese restaurant so uh, he's going to close it down we'll keep updates to see if anything else uh pops up in there if someone uh, wants to take his recipes that's really sad but then again you know if your parent owns a restaurant and you don't really want to get into it you know that's your choice i guess yeah, you, you know, you see that a lot, not just in restaurants, but just so many businesses and that, you know, sometimes uh, it just leads to the the end of an era. But uh, but I, I get it. If it, that's not your passion, you, yeah. know, you don't want to, you can't force them. No, and it's a lot of work. I always think, you know, I like to cook. So I thought someday I'm going to open up a restaurant. And then, you know, I watched the bear and thought, <laughs> I will never do that. It's just 24-7, 365 days a year of working it. 
Yep, absolutely. I'd rather stay. Uh, I'd rather stay outside the kitchen and enjoy their 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 lovely work. Yeah. All right. Free food from a grocery store. What? Yeah. This is a this is a, a cool story. It's a nonprofit uh, working out of the Englewood neighborhood uh, by the name of uh, Dion's Chicago Dream, run by a guy named Dion Dawson, who's just a r- really great guy. He's he's one of those guys that has more energy than anybody else, and it just works twenty four hours a day. Uh, he's started this charity and he, he raises money from from donors and from local foundations uh, and uh, and just from donations from companies as well that donate food um, so just yesterday he started this program called the, the dream vault and if you can picture those amazon lockers that pop up around town this, this is like that except it's uh, he stuff is he stuffs each one of them with uh, uh, fruit and vegetable for one family that's enough for a week uh-huh. and then they get co where they can go and uh, pick up all the stuff and and then it'll be able to repli- re, uh, refill that same shelf for another family to come in. So he's working on about 175 households in this first project. Um, he opened it up yesterday at the uh, the old Whole Foods in Englewood that closed and now it became a save-a-lot. And he talked the owners there and do, uh, hey, let me put this in, in your place. You're trying to serve the community. Let me do my, um, my um, uh, service project here. So uh, it opened yesterday, 175 households. He's uh, trying to open up a bunch of these around the city, and there's no uh, income requirement. Uh, you really just have to apply for it, and if, you know, if, you, you, if you're one of the first people to do it, you can get on the list, pick up enough food, and he said, hey, use the money you're saving for gas or for your uh, electric bill or, or something like that. Uh, just trying to, with the soaring prices, he's just trying to help out his neighborhood and perhaps neighborhoods around the city so uh, it's a great project it's called Dion's Chicago Dream if you want to check out more about him he is he is uh, he is a ray of sunshine and a fun guy to know and a great man Dion Dawson what a great uh, accomplishment and finally this morning there's a guy who's riding his bike through uh, how many communities in one day so basically, yeah. And the, by the way, this is something I could never do. Um, I could maybe make it a couple blocks. <laughs> yeah, I would say like I don't. I'm not sure I could want to like drive through all of every single Chicago neighborhood. Even that sounds exhausting. Um, uh, his name is um, Benjamin O'Malley, and he basically biked in one day through every single Chicago neighborhood. Um, it was a, 150 miles over 12 hours. Um, it's it's a little. Uh, confusing but you know chicago's got a bunch of neighborhoods and they also have these community areas which more or less mirror the neighborhoods but they're a little bit larger so uh whereas we have 77 official community areas there's probably 120 actual neighborhoods but close enough he hit all all 77 of them uh he's got a we've got a map on the story about (laughs) it and it's basically it's you know it's a big uh he did it very uh intelligently It's, it's not quite a circle of city he jogs in and out a little bit, but 150 miles. He did it um, really just to challenge himself and just uh, sort of inspire other people to do it. Um, but he said his highlights were uh, Big Marsh Park, which is uh, down on the southeast side. They turned uh, an old landfill into a, a really cool park. Uh, the Splains River Trail uh, on the opposite corner of the northwest side. The Pullman Monument. Um, you know, just some of those fun sights to see, especially if you're on, on bike and uh, you clear out a little bit from uh, from the, the neighborhoods and get a little open air. So, How long uh, did it take him? 
Uh, it took him 12 hours, but uh, he did stop at uh, Sharks Fish and Chicken in Washington <laughs> Park. <laughs> well, come on. For, for catfish. And again, like uh, that it sounds great, but that's something I might need a nap for afterwards. <laughs> Not like right. finish off the rest of my 150 miles. And he uh, he topped it all off with the uh, with a super dog, uh, which <laughs> which makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you ride 150 miles, you could definitely you know, burn off that kind of calories. But uh, it sounds like a, a, a fun Chicago trip. Uh, Benjamin O'Malley, uh, he's things. Maybe he'll try to organize, uh, you know, a bigger events for uh, you know get people to go with him next time. But uh, fun way to celebrate Chicago's neighborhoods. Well, cool, Seamus. You have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you. You too. Extremely local news. Seamus Toomey, editor in chief and co-founder of Black Club Chicago. WGNRadio.com for all of our previous visits on the station. Okay, that'll do it for It's All Good, episode 92. We'll drop another pod on you next week. No doubt about it. The car-